Hello, and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. This is episode 56. Um, and if you are receiving these in order, you are going to be receiving them out of order <laughs> this time because uh, episode 55 is actually already complete and I was going to post it. But then I just, it's just been kind of a hell of a week. And um, this one that I'm recording for you now is a little bit more up to the moment. It's a little bit more current. Um, And it felt, I don't know, it just felt like this one needed to come first. So I recorded the other one as 55. So it, it, it will be 55, but this is 56, and you'll get 55 uh, later. <laughs> so 56 is here first. And this one is called Where I'm From. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, it's been a rough week, guys. <laughs> it's been a rough week. Um, so um, I'm just going to read it to you, and here it is. This is Where I'm From. When I worked as a teaching artist, I traveled to about 300 different schools around New York City. They were wildly divergent places and environments, but on bulletin board displays and hallways in all five boroughs, I often saw the same writing assignment appear and it never failed to move me. It was called Where I'm From, and students would recount the smells, the sounds, and sights of their homeland. For kids who'd lived in the city their whole lives, The sound of ice cream trucks was often the bird call of spring. Because New York is so beautifully diverse, this assignment would often paint a whole world of elsewhere. The sights of Egypt, the sounds of the Dominican Republic, the smells of Uganda, the temperature of Poland. No matter where students came from, even if they had to flee their homelands because they were not safe there anymore, The formative power of home rang out from their writing. I'm not from here. New York City is where I live and where I feel at home, but where I'm from is a small city in the hills of Virginia. It's the kind of city that sometimes gets called cosmopolitan, not because it's a bustling metropolis, but because it has a vibrant arts culture and an intellectual fire. This place is as much a part of me as my leg is. My hometown feels like part of my body. Where I'm from is green. Green hills, green lawns, trees and trees and trees. It is people gathering under fairy lights on a red brick road. It is a place where you can see the stars in a backyard. It's a place in which sometimes you feel like you know everyone and a day later feel as though you know no one anymore. People will smile at you and say hello when you walk past. I'm from crickets on a summer evening. I'm from parties out in the country. I'm from wood smoke in winter and cigarette smoke on the bricked pavement in summer. I'm from jazz, pouring out of one restaurant bar and frat rock pouring from another, just steps away. I'm from a wall so thick with paint, it was possible to peel off a corner of it and keep it as a sculpture souvenir. I'm from craft fairs and festivals. I'm from the bells shaking on the legs of the Morris dancers. I'm from late night wanderings over green lawns. 
I'm from Greek letters on steps. I'm from dodging crowds of students who flood the city like water pouring into a glass. I'm from orange V's on asphalt. I'm from libraries. I'm from community theaters. I'm from community radio. I'm from a folk scene, a bluegrass scene, a jazz scene, an old time scene, a rock scene, a pop scene, a classical scene, a woman's music scene. I'm from used bookstores and used record stores and independent community business. I'm from fireworks in the park on the 4th of July put on for us by the fire department. I'm from honeysuckle. I'm from musicians on the corner and musicians on the mall. I'm from deer by the railroad tracks. I'm from crayfish in the creek. I'm from red dirt and several shades of brown dirt. I'm from hummingbirds. I'm from dogwood trees. I'm from field trips to the art museum. I'm from book sales and yard sales. I'm from hot, humid summers, exuberantly flowery springs, winters that bring snowstorms and autumn leaves with a top note of apple cider. And I'm also from a place where neighborhoods are black or white. I'm from a school system that tracked its students, that sent its white students to the top and the black toward the bottom, that encouraged young minds to think that this was just how things were, that white students were more likely to be advanced and black students more likely to be general or basic. I'm also from a place that tried hard to believe that Thomas Jefferson's slave was his mistress. I'm from a place where visiting a landmark important to a black leader meant visiting the tobacco farm where he was born a slave. I'm also from a place where I could go see a kid's magician in a thousand seat theater and see only white people in the audience. I'm from a place where we don't talk about that much, mostly because it's not polite. And where I'm from, politeness is important. And now I sit here in Queens, New York, the most linguistically diverse place in the world and one of the most ethnically diverse places in the country. But where I live now isn't any better, really. It feels good and blended on the train or in the grocery store, but the school system in diverse New York City is the most segregated in the country. While we think of ourselves as models of tolerance, diversity, and unity, the hate and violence has visited us here, too. See, the story is that I'm from a place you've probably only heard of because some hateful Nazis decided to target my hometown. And when they did, they broke the hearts of not just the brave souls who stood in opposition to them and those who had to go to work and those who prayed with Cornell West and those who were away, but also all of us who feel that Charlottesville is a part of us. Those of us who were born there or grew up there or went to college there or even just lived there for a few years, it feels to us too as if the dirtiest boots just trampled over our hearts. Charlottesville isn't perfect. The racism runs deep there, yes. But before you start thinking my hometown had it coming, that it asked for it, that it shouldn't have worn that short skirt if it didn't want to be invaded, search in your own city's past. I'm going to guess that no city in America has completely clean hands when it comes to racial discrimination.
The deck is incredibly stacked against people of color in America. It took me too long to work out how much. For me, it took going to college and learning about white privilege and starting to understand that being nice was no excuse for accepting injustice. I thought that because I was nice, I was immune to racism. You see, where I'm from, we're nice to everyone. We're polite. We're courteous. And maybe you're thinking, ah, I see now this terrible thing happened there because the people of Charlottesville let it. They just couldn't say no loud enough. And you'd be wrong. The people of Charlottesville have been preparing for this for months. The folks I know there have been, for months, strategizing and debating, trying to figure out the best way to make it clear how unwelcome the Unite the Right were. From what I understand, Charlottesville's Black Lives Matter chapter was organized in June to help address this invasion. Petitions were circulated, injunctions were filed, violence was suggested and rejected. Dozens of peaceful demonstrations and events were organized to prepare. The people of Charlottesville didn't open the door and welcome this mess. It showed up unannounced on the doorstep in May and they did everything they could think of to prevent it at every stage. So when I see people say things like, I'd like to see them try that in my hometown, I think, no, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't like it at all. You wouldn't like this mess of feelings that I've had to negotiate. Not just these last few days when you started paying attention, but since May, when those assholes with torches first showed up. It is a combination of despair and fury and fear for my loved ones. A few months ago, on video, my mom asked a Trump supporter at a rally about his Kekistani flag, and the look of pure hatred that he gave her made me quake. You, you don't want to know the mixture of pride and terror that seeing such things inspire. You don't want to sit 500 miles away as you watch militant Nazis with advanced military gear taunt clergy people kneeling at the edge of a park you used to play in. You think your people are tough? That these highly organized armed jerks with nothing to lose will somehow be stopped from waving their flags by your gang of guys with bats? I mean, I wish that were true, but I don't think it is. These people punched clergy folk. They taunted them and tried to do worse. This is the future I was worried was coming as soon as I saw where the world was turning on November 8th. I was figuring we'd have ourselves a Nazi-like state by now. I didn't expect actual Nazis, but otherwise this is what I feared most. And yet, I never expected it to start in my hometown. So I'm not surprised that this happened. I saw it coming. I just didn't see it coming from my hometown first. I hope you're not next. The country is racist. My hometown is racist. The city I live in is racist, and so is yours. Those guys came from all over the country. If you're just realizing this is a problem, you're late. But if you're late, we still need you. In fact, you may be the best link to the people who are going to be later than you. Dealing with racism in your town or the racist people in your town isn't easy, especially since it's usually systemic and those structures are hard to see and take a long time to dismantle. 
If you're new to these concepts, if you don't know what systemic racism is, then, there, then, then this is a great time to start learning. Seeing the ways that your town or your city or your county has perpetrated white, white supremacy over the years doesn't mean you love your town any less. In fact, the more you know about where you're from, the more meaningful your relationship with it will be. Forewarned is forearmed and knowledge is power. I know that terrorists primarily want to strike terror in people's hearts. And the terrorists who came to my hometown stated plainly that that was their goal. I do not want to give them what they want. I'm from Charlottesville and I live in New York. I was in New York on 9-11. I was not cowed then and I will not be cowed now. But I am afraid. I cannot deny it. I have not slept much since the racists with torches surrounded a church service Friday night and essentially held them hostage. I had family in that church and friends. I was in that church in spirit. Here in Queens, I heard some folks swear they'd never cross the Mason-Dixon line again. I understand the instinct. It's a way to say, oh, that's them over there. I'll be safe if I just stay here. But I don't think geography will save you. I would never have thought in a million years that white supremacists would march through where I'm from. And here in Queens, many years ago, Donald J. Trump's father was arrested as he marched in a KKK rally in Queens, New York. It's not about location, y'all. Here in Queens, I'm devastated about what's happened where I'm from. And there is no shaking off this sense of violation. But if there's anything that gives me hope in all of this, it's watching the way the community in my hometown has come together over this series of events. From the clergy linking arms and marching in silent protest, to the swelling numbers of white people at teach-ins and Black Lives Matter meetings, to the giant crowd at Heather Hare's memorial service, there is a unity brewing that many never thought possible. Where I'm from, folks are trying to be better. I'm from that. I'm from where brave, nice people try to be and do better. That's where I'm from. So this Charlottesville native thanks you for listening to this piece about Charlottesville. Um, a little bit about the events there this past weekend, but also more. It's, um, it's so interesting because there are so many people in my life who only know about Charlottesville because of me, right? They've been there because of me. They spent time there because of me. So when this happened, those were the people who, who really reached out and were like, hey, how are you? Um, and I, I was not great. So it was actually really amazing to, to, to get that kind of support in a moment where I, where I didn't know that I would need it. Um, and I feel a little bit like I, I now understand. I feel like people tell me about things that happened in their the place in a place where they're from, and like I didn't really get what was going on. And and unfortunately, I feel like I get it now. Um, I had a friend tell me about 
some earthquakes in her hometown, and I, I didn't, I didn't fully understand what that, what that must be like. Um, yeah, but now I'm not sure I still do, but I, I certainly understand how how upsetting it, it can be. Um, yeah, so thank you to all of you who reached out to me um, last week. It was really, really helpful. <laughs> um, so what what I have here for you in terms of a song um, is uh, an old 97 song that I actually recorded uh, a while ago, and I, I haven't found the right place for it. it was, I was trying to think, like, okay, what's the perfect Charlottesville song? And I was like, there's so many that, that seem right and also so many that seem wrong. Um, but this one is actually called The Streets of Where I'm From. So it's about <laughs> being from somewhere. Um, the writer of the song is from Texas, not from Charlottesville. But there's a way where I have always thought about Charlottesville whenever I sang this song. Um, it is a song about where where I'm from, and it feels this song feels like where I'm from. So, um, so here is uh, the streets of where I'm from by the old ninety sevens. Well, I've been down. Instead of gold 